No problem. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Could I have the clerk of the board call the call the meeting to order, please, and give the roll call. Here. Here. Trustee Hernandez. Here. Trustee Banerjee. Here. Trustee Jensen. Thank you. Here. Trustee Thompson. Here. Trustee Charlin. Here. Trustee Zorinthian. Here. We have a quorum. Wonderful. Great. So uh, let's open this meeting by asking if we have some public comment. And I do have an individual who would like to speak, and so I'm going to call. Uh, Dr. Judith Wolsey. Did I pronounce that correctly? Close enough. <laughs> Wolsey? Thank you. Wolsey. 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 I beg your pardon. Oh. Who is uh, recently retired from us, but still involved. And so, yes. please. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. Um, my name is Judith Wolsey, and I, in December, retired after 38 years in the Department of Medicine at Highland Hospital. Um, so needless to say, this place and the patients are very near and dear to my heart. And the reason I planned to come to speak today was about our response to uh, the changes in policy towards immigrants and religious minorities in our country. Um, and I am so pleased to see that uh, the uh, PR department has developed a poster and is going to be posting it around. That is wonderful. Um, I, I think that uh, it, it will go a long way to really helping uh, reassure our patients. If there's an opportunity to perhaps tweak the content in the future, um, the only suggestions I would make is that we be as explicit as possible about the things that our patients are afraid of. Um, and so as much as possible that, that this is a, these are safe places for them that they can come and get health care without fear. What we don't want is for people to not come for their preventive care and their chronic disease management because they're afraid for a variety of reasons and then end up in our emergency room and our inpatient facilities with more complicated and advanced illness. So as much as possible, if we can really address that issue of the fear and, and include something about respecting the differences that we have in our, which I think was very uh, appropriate, that we have in our um, staff as well as in our patients. I think that would be wonderful. But it sounds like we're heading in the right direction. So thank you so much to the board for your support on this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, any other additional, did you receive any other public comment, Vanessa? No? Yeah. Thank you. Okay, we'll move to uh, the board president report, and I really have a couple items. Uh, first, our calendar, and then uh, talk about the bylaws, and then 
I really would like to follow up on our doctor's comments about uh, what we are doing to a lot to uh, diminish the fears as much as possible of the, our patients. And so, Mike, could you give a brief uh, overview of what some of the things you have been doing relative to getting an attorney for our staff and uh, someone giving a report on that? Yes, Terry, Terry actually, that's uh, under item uh, C3. Okay, gonna give a report then I'll just, I'll just wait for that, for that point in time, Terry. Thank you. Uh, okay, so could we turn to the calendar then, please? Del Vecchio, our CEO, is out uh, right now, stuck with the weather. So if we could move to action item number C. And if C is the calendar, I will move. Second. Thank you. And Kenny, did you want to uh, sure. indicate the changes that were made? Um, we, in the calendar that was presented at the, 20, uh, the January board meeting, we had the audit and compliance meeting on a separate standalone day, and historically we've always had audit, um, um, since we have the same committee membership, uh, we've had audit follow the uh, finance meeting, and as a committee we decided that we'd revert back. This was done inadvertently, and I apologize I didn't catch um, it in the January uh, calendar. So right now, the the change that you will see is in the audit and compliance committee meeting dates, and they are aligned with the finance uh, meeting. Thank you. Um, so I'm assuming that there are no other changes. Okay, then may I have a motion to approve the calendar as amended? You, you, have, you have a motion. Oh, I do. I'm in a vote. A vote, please. Thank you. Can I have a vote to all those in favor? Aye. 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 Thank you. Um, and just a, co a couple comments. Um, there are those of you who uh, really want the technical or the technological invitation. Um, I have some of those who like that. Um, as a board, as the board president, my expectation is that you take this calendar and you get these dates on your calendar, whether you do it tech, through technology or you do it on a paper. I don't care about that. But just to remind you that it, the Ness's responsibility is not to determine who's, what board members are coming to the meeting, but rather what board members are not. So it's your responsibility to let her and the board president know if you're not going to be at a meeting, and leave it, leave it at that, okay? All right. So now let's move to the conversation around board policies and procedures, and before I do that, um, I want to say that I don't think we're in a position today to adopt them because I have had individuals say they would like a little more time, but I would like to have the conversation relative to these because I think some people have some comments they'd like to make and might, in fact, help the others of you to stimulate some of your thinking. So, I, who has some information they would like to give for consideration on adoption of board policies? Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I made the mistake of reading these. Um, I still had the query on page two of the bylaws about the three medical staff show me. When does that happen? 
I, 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 yeah, me too. There's so just some things to be clear here. In the event of a fiery death of the medical representative to the health system, then the three medical staffs. This needs to be clearer to me. Uh, and if you know, just by way of clarification, so mm -hmm. the um, you know the idea, you know, I, I think one of the you know the points here was that the bylaws actually provide for the appointment of a member of a medical staff. This provision basically uh, addresses the question of how, now that we have three medical staffs, that appointment will be made. And the, and the generalized process calls for uh, the medical staffs to nominate a name to the Board of Trustees, and then that name is then passed on to the supervisors. So this is actually anticipated to be a one-time process for the staffs to get together and uh, communicate to this board how they plan <coughs> on making that nomination on a going forward basis. So um, so just to be, you know, be clear, that's the, what we're talking about. It's not a recurring obligation. It's just going to be a one-time thing which will occur, and then that process would be incorporated into the procedures at that point. But does, I was going to say, does Trustee yeah, you're right, because up until now, there's only been the one medical staff, and so we've just kind of gone by that fact there have only ever been two of us, and so it's we don't really have a very defined process. Later in here somewhere, it says that we should let the supervisors know six months ahead of a known you know, vacancy to a seat. So I'm presuming that six months ahead of the time that my term comes up, those medical staff should have by that time met. I mean, do we need to put more detail in there that known vacancy approaching, they need to meet, or what? Well, you know, I think as a practical matter, you know, the suggestion would be, you know, if there doesn't appear to be movement around this, you know, the recommendation, you know, would be that, you know, probably either the CEO or myself would speak with the chair about actually convening a joint commission the same way that the issue on the contracting was addressed because that can happen either way. And it would basically be, you know, the chair saying, telling the medical staffs you need to meet, tell us how you're going to nominate this person so that we can have a smooth transition at the time that seat becomes vacant, so. Okay. Don't you want to put in a, a, as Barry suggests, don't you want to put in a date? I mean, why in the bylaws that says well, it's, six it's, months before the termination before the end of the term. So there were two, I think there are two issues. There's one, an individual who sits on the board who terms out. Right. The, and that's the medical staff person who terms out. And then the other, in the event that that individual who is on the board wins the lottery and leaves us, hmm. what what is then the process? Right. And in the joint nomination process, there is language which makes clear what the timing is for a recommendation from the medical staff to the trustees so that it can get to the board. Oh, what's that? Uh, it's Appendix C. And um, page 19 <coughs> of the bylaws. Uh, no, this are the policies and procedures that we're talking about. Oh, that's what I meant. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. I still want to know why they're procedures, but that's a different. And where does it refer to the? Where does it say? 
Yes, I'm looking for I know oh. it's in here somewhere. Okay, so rather than belabor it, what, what I think we're hearing is to look at that piece and to make a determination of a specific timeline relative to the medical staff meeting mm-hmm. and making an appointment. It, 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 to me, it, it either needs to refer to Appendix C to give a timeline, or we need it just kind of hangs out there to me. Okay, yeah, I agree with you. Referring okay, to so Appendix C or to language okay. somewhere other ways in this document, and then I think I would feel better. Okay. Okay. Okay, the second, if I still have the You floor. still have the Okay, floor. same page at the bottom. Um, trustees are expected to attend board meetings in person, absent emergency situations, trustees are expected to notify board president or committee chair. So there are a number of incongruencies there to me. A, um, do we want to compete absent emergency situations? I think extraordinary situations is a better term than an emergency situation because we all have, we'll have business emergencies that aren't life threatening, but clearly we will need, we will want to honor our commitment to be present, but we'll need to have some, uh, you know, to, to call in telephonically. And then when we're talking about excessive absences, failure to attend three or four meetings in person, that needs to be specific as to, are you talking about three meetings per board, three meetings to committee, because we referred in the previous sentence to committee chair, one would allege that would be three absences for all of our board meetings and our, and our, board, and our committee meetings, and I think that needs to be tightened up. Okay, so let, let's take this in part. Let, first, uh, is there any objection to modifying the language and moving, removing emergency to uh, extraordinary circumstances? Is that what you're... Correct. Your mm-hmm. like? And okay. we can also add, it, it is expected to be the rule that you attend meetings. I mean, okay. Whatever we need to say. Okay, right. is there any... There's no disagreement there. Okay, well, that's good. I, um, I would just... Do we even need to... Do we even need to to add that, that condition? Do... Because I, why do we, then people exactly. get stuck on definitions of emergency or extraordinary or, why don't we just say that trustees are expected to attend board meetings in person, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you're on vacation, it's not really an emergency or extraordinary, but you're not here. Right. Right. Well, yeah. right, but does that mean that? Like, I'm going to leave early tonight because my son's turning 16. It's not extraordinary or emergency, but I'm going to leave. And, <laughs> it shows and it's unusual. It's and, and It's a priority, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, I, 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 but that's fine. I don't have a real strong feeling about it one way or the other. Extraordinary sounds fine. I don't need either word. I think Tracy's point is well taken that... Um, we're expected to be here, and if we're not here, it must be for a reason. But regardless, there is a limit to the number of absences. Okay. Right, and, and then the, que- the other question is, is three too big, or too small a number? Right. Well, it, it is if we're, if we're adding committee assignments to it the is. same one. I think there are two separate issues, if I could. Yeah. I think the first, the first line is indicating that we're expected to be in person, and right. only in an extraordinary situation would you be calling in. Like that's, that, what, that's how I read that. So it's that not it's not that you having to not be here because if it's your vacation or whatever is Got yeah it. you're not call, I, I think it's the point is to avoid somebody thinking that it's okay to constantly it's be calling, calling in. Got it, got it. You know yeah, that's true. I think that's that's the first line. Yeah, that now makes sense. Okay, yeah. so for that line, we keep it and just make it instead of emergency, we change in person. Extraordinary. Yeah. extraordinary. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think the, um, as far as the three <coughs> meetings, I think, yeah, we should clarify three full board meetings mm -hmm. because in two days you could miss two committees in the full board meeting the way we that's have right, the stack right of, now. Yeah, that's exactly right. And quite frankly, what happens, a committee has to be approved by the board anyway. It's really, you're, you're not necessarily affecting the quorum and the business of the full board. I think, I think we should just insert the word board there. A failure to attend more than three board meetings in person and now is is that appropriate or are we or are we deleting in person? I think it's I, I would prefer in any format. So right. just take I think so too. I think three absent three meetings period. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Three board meetings. Three board meetings. Three, three board meetings. Do we have any requirement what? for committee attendance? <coughs> I don't think, I think people should go to the committees that they're assigned to uh, it, it, or step down from that committee. Mm -hmm. But I don't think we should necessarily have to have that written into our bylaws, or pardon me, our policies <laughs> and procedures. Yeah, and I, I, I agree, and I, I think, I, I agree, I don't think we have to have it written in. And um, I think it behooves the chair to have a, a church meeting with somebody who is frequently missing the committee meetings and ask them if they no longer have interest or does their schedule interfere with this meeting and perhaps move them to another committee where they could, in fact, right. meet their schedule. So let's just okay. let's do that. Yes. So that does raise a question for me. Um, you just said the church meeting between the chair and the member would take place to see what's going on. I'm a little concerned, uh, particularly because I'm one of those folks that does have to travel a lot. Um, if I'm calling in uh, and I'm engaged and I'm participating, um, I would want for first a conversation to occur, a fair warning that the person is subject to removal from either the committee or the board um, before it's automatic. I don't think we're talking about this being an automatic. Oh no! And, We've and also, the, and the likelihood is I wouldn't have had that conversation with you because you are engaged and you're correct. You're doing what you need to do. Correct. But do we need to clarify that, Mike? Because uh, someone might interpret the way I think someone. Might We've have. also said that failure to attend three or more meetings annually we took out in person. Right. Yeah. Right. So your 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 telephonic meetings would still count as attendance. Uh, understood. Okay. And all I'm asking is, do we need to say that? would make you potentially lose your place in the board and that the chair might have that conversation and find out what's going on because there may be a valid reason. So is there a need for that? That's all I'm asking. Do you want to have that prerogative to be able to say, so-and-so has missed those three meetings, I'm going to have a conversation and in fact you find out that there's a valid reason. Um, I'm not certain. I mean, we can do it either way. I'm not certain that it has to be in the bylaws. I think it's just good protocol and good leadership to yeah. figure out what's wrong with, I mean, what the difficulty is with one of the members of your board. And, you know, it may be something that's very personal, and the president can say, we're doing, I'm excusing this person for Correct. Without yeah. divulging the reason, and it says here would be grounds, but it doesn't say is. It's right. right. And, and, and if I right. could, if yep. I could just direct your attention to uh, you know page five, and so under section G, which is entitled <coughs> enforcement, it says repeats that a violation of the foregoing may be grounds for removal. Any suspected violation or alleged violation must be reported to the board president in case of employee making. Um, 
And upon report, the CEO and general counsel will assist the president conducting an appropriate inquiry and then referring the matter to the board for action. So the, the intent is that, you know, someone, there's a violation that they, you know, basically, you know, fall through a trap door. It needs to be reported to the president and then follow the mm -hmm. process. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. okay. okay. So if I could just read back to you just to make sure I'm clear on the changes. So the paragraph will now read, trustees are expected to attend board meetings in person absent extraordinary situations, period. Trustees are expected to notify the board president or committee chair and the clerk of the board if he or she will be absent from a uh, meeting. Excessive absences, uh, ex excuse me, ex excessive absence in paren, failure to attend more than three board meetings annually or failure to abide by the provisions would be ground for removal from the board. Maybe, not would be. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Anything else? Got it. Um, the next one is page three. It refers to an Appendix A, and Appendix A is blank. <laughs> um, so whatever it is, I just it shouldn't refer to something and nothing be there. Okay, and just uh, by, for sake of clarity, what will be there are the agreements for better communication for processes which are currently attached yeah. to all of the board agendas. Mm -hmm. So we're incorporating this document into the policies and procedures now. You never get to the end of the agenda. No, but I mean, it's, it's always <laughs> <laughs> Okay. It's good stuff. And, and again, on page six, um, I, I find <clears throat> in my life if you don't put some sort of a timetable, nothing ever happens. Um, in terms of setting up, um, you know, she'll contact newly appointed trustees at a major time to meet with the clerk, and then we say that, uh, you know, there should be training sessions. Um, we should uh, schedule a new trustee to be introduced to a meeting of the supervisor's health committee. Um, we should have a review. They're just, they're not a lot of dates there. And, um, I don't think we want them, but I, I, I'm a new board member. And, kind of remiss in not having them for some of this stuff. Although I've been certainly, you know, on my own board and the C-suite and what's going on here, but I've not purposely gone to see the other assets of the health system and not been introduced to the members of the health committee or anything I know through my normal course of business in Oakland. Um, so I just think, you know, with, it, should, it should be, it can be ambiguous, but I should, within three months of being yeah. appointed a trustee, yeah. Um, That's what I would put in. Yeah. So yes. give some flexibility, yes. but at least, at least give something to clerk to diarize Anthony Thompson, March. Yep. So anyway. Yeah, that's a good suggestion. That's a, actually a short time. We're about going out and seeing all those places, it might be yeah. six months. Maybe some are three, some are six, but maybe overall yeah, should yeah, have yeah. six. Or maybe <clears throat> the list should be completed within six months. But anyway, I just think some sort of time table should be. Yep. Yes, maybe okay. six months. So... Is it this all of those steps to be completed within six months? Mm. Is that fair? Orientation? See, I think an orientation needs, needs to happen fast. pretty quickly. Visiting yeah. the, the other yeah. things. Yeah. So within three months of appointment, they ought to have been introduced, met the supervisors, and had an orientation. And then getting out to the other to the other sites may take longer, and so you might want to bifurcate that process. Mm -hmm. Well, I think some things also are more critical. HIPAA, for example, I think should be done rather quickly. Board members need to understand some of those uh, legal obligations that are under Brown Act, HIPAA, and some of those other things that are more critical. 
Right. So maybe we need to look at each one of these and say, is this a critical uh, item that should be done within the first 30 days, and then you know, getting out and looking at all the assets can be done within six months. Is there a way to stratify it? Well, I think the making the intent of the language, the importance of the introduction of their responsibilities, seems to be the more paramount as opposed to hitting specific timelines. And so you might want to look at the wording. So why don't you play with it and send us something that, that looks like because I think their points are, are a good one, and I can say that that we probably, as board members, have come on not have been as we've not been as um, probably as conscientious as we need to be about Brown Act and HIPAA and the other kinds of things. Um, I just as I look at the yep. list, I think that the orientation, everything under the orientation, can Couples. happen in the first 30 days, and then the visit to to uh, the facilities and with the health committee. Could happen within within three to you know, five months. I mean, I, there's I see a real clear distinction between the orientation, which can only one that can be played out. That can yeah. visit the facility. Right. Right. Th that's what I would do. Is just give give the orientation. It's thirty days to forty five. Forty five. Forty five days. Yeah, let's say that, and then anyway. the the scheduling of facility visits and trustees uh, to the health committee. I think could be six within six months. months. Yeah. Okay, so he's got a flavor of what we're looking for. Um, page 14, same thing with the self-evaluation. Self Since Vince said we're supposed to go through one, but it doesn't say annually. It just says we kind of ought to do it. So I don't know if there needs to be a date. It does say annually. Annual, yeah. But it doesn't say when annually. Oh. When we took out November. Um, So if it's not important to anyone, it's just things highlight. You know, so I'm, I'm a banker. We kind of like things in boxes. <laughs> Did we discuss That's that? That's a later today? agenda item. Well, so that might relate to a suggestion that I have based on our, um, you know, attendance at the Governance Institute. It it feels like um, our retreats could be used as an opportunity to do partial evaluations <clears throat> on ourselves each time we meet. So <clears throat> we meet almost every six months in a retreat format. And it feels like one of those retreats needs to be dedicated to our self-evaluation that he's discussing it. So that might be a natural uh, time whenever the retreats occur. You know, I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, object to the specificity of I think if you say this is what's going to happen in a retreat and you put it in a bylaw, you are now obligated to do that. And if there are other kinds of things that need to come up. Mm -hmm. So in terms of annually, it ought to be done before the um, reorganization meeting for the fall, you know, the new organization. So I don't have difficulty with the annual. I, I would have difficulty locking it into something that is so specific in the bylaws that it that suddenly now it eliminates your flexibility of to do other things. Perfect. I hate self-assessment, so. Um, <laughs> You're not going to get out of that. Well, it, it should happen annually, so, and we can do it before, so that we can lock it down. We, we do it before the, uh, before the annual, the reorganization meeting in January, so 
he leaves to be read in October. Um, page 19, there's a blank. What position is responsible overall for the process of the Board of Supervisors? Is that a Board of Supervisor position, or is that something nominated by us? Yeah, that is a Board of Supervisor position, okay. but I'll see how that needs to get filled nope. out. Um, on the Finance Committee Charter, page 24, the Finance Committee will meet monthly before regularly scheduled meetings of the full board. That is not correct. Standalone meeting. So that needs to be changed to whatever we're doing this year, which is the first Thursday of every month. Um, except for December, August, and January. And then I also wondered about the purpose and goals and responsibilities. The Finance Committee is appointed to assure that the financial records of AHS are maintained in accordance with, general, with GAAP, to review and make recommendations to board on financial policy, and to oversee management of uh, assets and all affairs resources of internal control nature. All that's true, but we spend an awful lot of time looking at our financial performance to budget. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense for the kind, but under this purpose and goals for the Finance Committee to be responsible for making sure our finances are cap if we're 30% under budget. So we're always reviewing the performance of the organization to an approved budget, and I think that needs to be accounted for in our charter. Did you see that, Mike? Well, I see it, and I'm just not exactly sure what sort of uh, change is being suggested. Um, Do you have some language you want to propose, Tony? Um, can I send it to him? Sure, him? absolutely. So we'll send, Anthony's going to send you some, some language. Okay. And, um, yeah, that's as far as I got in the review. Okay, and Gary, you had, you have some things that you want to add and send. Yeah, I do. Okay, so can you, do you want to do that now or do you want to send it to Mike? I'll send it to Mike. As well. Okay. One thing. Gary? On the language for the QPSC, the staff liaison is the chief nurse executive or his or her designee. As much as I um, admire Kinsey, I just, I am not comfortable with the medical staff committee, I mean, that the, the deals with medical staff affairs, sort of being, it, it seems odd that the chief nurse executive is the person who liaisons with the chair of that committee. Um, physicians and nurses kind of have their own silos, which we need to break down, and I don't absolutely consider that an ideal way of running a hospital, but there's just, I, I'm, to place that in our um, sort of procedures, uh, obviously. Why was it there before? What's the history? Well, can I can I address sure. yeah. so, so this is an organizational, uh, I think it's driven by an organizational change, which is um, um, in the last org chart, we, I changed the uh, reporting of quality as a department to the chief nursing executive from the chief medical officer. Um, quality is a separate department. It's not within the medical staff, uh, but quality oversees quality of care whether it's, and I should say, tracking or reporting of quality of care uh, overall. So that could be, you know, that done by nurses, that done by uh, doctors, that done by any other clinicians, pharmacists, and others uh, uh, relative to the standards that are uh, imposed upon the organization. 
so, so it just so happens that the role within the executive leadership team that's now overseeing it is the chief nursing executive. Um, when it was the chief medical officer, it wasn't because uh, the, the various uh, uh, medical staff, the, the medical staffs that report into QPSC, which is a board committee, uh, were, were reporting into that committee. That just so happened to be a bunch of chiefs of staffs when we became multi-licensed, uh, 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 and the chief medical officer, who at the time had oversight for all the quality. So, so it is not, in, in so rep recognizing that the chief nursing executive uh, uh, has oversight for quality, it is, it is in no way intended to suggest that the chiefs of staff have an accountability to the chief no, nursing executive. They still have an accountability to the board, and whoever the board person is who chairs PSC, so whether that's you or someone else. But wouldn't you then want to be able to say that the CEO will appoint a liaison to, as opposed to designating uh, uh, the individual? Because then we have to change our bylaws if, in fact, this doesn't work out the way you would hope, and you want to move you want to move that individual someplace else and get a get a new liaison. So keeping it open in the bylaws it says the CEO will appoint uh, administrator, you know. I think it would be that or, or I was going to propose uh, or I'm going to propose but I would suggest to you uh, your, for your consideration uh, that the likelihood is that it will always be the person who's who's on the executive leadership and who has responsibility for quality. So you know if that ever changed and, and right now we have a a VP for quality. At some point, we may want a chief quality officer. It's a chief quality officer, a chief quality officer. So it would always be whoever that individual is who has the oversight of quality and reporting to the board because all of the qualities would be overseen by that executive. I think you and I are saying the same thing. Yeah. I just so, said it differently. So that's fine. So we should. Either way. So that, don't, it, not to it's designate. It's not a title. It is whoever has oversight of right. quality as designated by the CEO. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what so many of you have expressed concerns, and I know we have received emails and comments from people within the organization and in our community about what our hospital is doing relative to uh, the clarification of making our, um, uh, our immigrants and those undocumented welcome in our system and to help do what we can to um, diminish some of the fears that people are experiencing. And so. Uh, I'd like, Terry, if you would talk a little bit about what's been going on and how we can support that idea. Okay. Great. I'll be, <clears throat> I'll be happy to. I'm not sure. Okay. So uh, we wanted to sort of <coughs> the discussion this, this afternoon and, and give you a sense of what we want to talk about. So. Um, we thought it would be good since so much has happened since um, November to sort of give it, give us a review of some of those events and sort of orient us to where we are now. Look at some of the actions we've taken as an organization um, and also to include in that what has been done by some other institutions in the local area. 
uh, which would then help inform a, a possible board discussion about uh, additional steps that um, you may want to take and also um, which would include some suggestions of possible actions you may want to take as a, as a board. <laughs> Does I need a clock? Maybe keep it at the projector, maybe? Keep it at the projector. It's frozen. So we click on the presentation. Mm -hmm. Just click on the presentation. So just talk to us. Go. <laughs> All right. Thank you. I will. I'm happy to. So uh, these are some of the events we had. The um, Results of the presidential <laughs> election, um, and as you as you know, there's been a constant um, uh, call for the repeal of the Affordable Care Act. I will say that a repeal has been joined to a greater degree with um, repeal and replace. I think the speed in which it was intended to repeal uh, the Affordable Care Act has um, slowed down considerably. In part, I think, as folks begin to understand the complexity and the impact of what re repeal might actually look like. Uh, so in addition to the, the, the work around the repeal, um, there have been a number of executive orders that have um, been presented by President Trump that has had uh, impact on uh, immigration and caused concerns for many in our diverse community. Uh, latest news is I believe the recent court decision this afternoon um, a move to maintain the stay on that executive order um, thus far. So um, that's where we are with that, just the latest news. <clears throat> so um, what has our response been? So we've been reacting, responding to uh, these instances as they, as they occur. We wanted to give you a little bit about what we are doing, but at the end you also see there's also some intended actions we'll be taking in the future as well. So as you know, we, we made a, a, a bit of news in a discussion before the board where we talked about that Alameda Health System and Highland Hospital should be a safe place for people to receive care. Um, we did receive media coverage around around that. Um, and so that was that was very significant. In fact, we had the National Institute for Immigration Law. I'm probably saying it wrong. National Immigration Law Center actually called us to want to understand what our new policy was. And uh, I said, well, uh, we did make a definitive statement about what we believe, how people should feel, but we hadn't changed the policy. So, um, but that did lead to other discussions with them about how we might address some of the concerns in the immigrant community around um, uh, changes in the Affordable Care Act and their ability to come to our facility for care. So I think that action really helped begin a conversation and um, um, we, we had conversations with the counties and others as part of that to help inform what was happening in the various communities. Um, not far after the... Can you tell a little bit about yeah. those conversations? I mean, what, what, when you say we've had conversations, what, what were those conversations about? What were the pros and cons? Give us a little more substance to this. Well, I, I think that that particular conversation was, was 
almost more of a fact finding on our part to kind of understand what that organization was witnessing was happening at other locations and informing us what the fears were and how places like New York were developing messaging to communicate with communities their stance around um, their ability to access care without fear. So it was more of a background conversation and I th the county uh, has, been, has been having a number of sessions and I'm going to get the name wrong here. Well, Fight for Medi-Cal Working Group, where we've been meeting with them on a, on a regular basis. We have another meeting tomorrow to discuss this issue. And so uh, that those conversations have bled into looking at how we can jointly partner around sending a clear message of access to care for Alameda Health System and, and the people we support hasn't changed. And gave us ideas about how we can then share that information more broadly and some of those actions we took last week and I'll talk more about that as we proceed. Um, so um, back on in December uh, we did take a trip to Washington DC to actually uh, have an advocacy day uh, in Washington. Uh, the primary issue there was talking about repeal of the Affordable Care Act uh, we did that in conjunction with the California Public Hospital Association and America's Essential Hospitals where we met with various delegations to really implore them to indicate that uh, repeal in and of itself was not the best route to take and that we felt that um, there should be no action taken to repeal unless there was an actual replacement plan in place. Last, the last meeting we talked about uh, providing information in terms of the impact of the Affordable Care Act repeal on Alameda Health System. There's a copy of that in your packet. It's a one-pager. It, it paints a, a pretty clear but concise <coughs> picture of the, the impact on our system. Recently, as, as this week, we've developed um, flyers and posters and a copy of which you have today, which talks about serving all. Um, there should be a copy in your packet um, if you haven't seen that already. Um, we felt it was important to send a clear message that our mission as an organization had not changed. So we, we felt a it was important. We had an Terry, opportunity. Yes, I, it's I don't in, it's think loose. it's in our packet. It's not? It's a loose document. It was loose. put in today, not in today. Yes. Oh, I, I, I apologize. I thought we had copies of them. So um, we wanted to have a very concise message that would be easy for people to understand, but we also felt it was important that the message reflect back to our mission. So we, we use serving all to reiterate that where we were as an organization wasn't changing and that our commitment to them um, was still to provide care and um, in, in, a, in, a, in a consistent manner. We also wanted to let our own staff know that um, the diversity and challenge around immigration concerns, their concerns were important to us as well and that this idea of serving all was reflected in who we are as an organization in addition to who we serve. Um. I have a question. What are the language? I mean, I can see Spanish, but what are the other languages? So we have, um, I'm going to get this wrong. Um, the, we have Arabic, 
-hmm. We have a uh, Southeast Asian language, I believe is Farsi. Wouldn't be Farsi, but it's... That's a of what Southeast Asian is. So, <laughs> it might be... It's a, it's a Tagalog. It's Tagalog. It's Tagalog. Tagalog. It's 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 Tagalog. Our general counsel sent a message out on Friday um, alerting people to resources that were available to help folks get more information about um, the impact of the immigration executive order and also announcing um, a planned uh, meetings coming up where folks can get together and ask questions of some experts we would bring in to address some of their concerns as well. Okay. Uh, we've also will be having a meeting with our residents coming up uh, toward the end of the month to have a discussion with them about their concerns. The residents have also been active in doing their own activities in which in collaboration with San Francisco and other medical students across the uh, country, they held a rally in early part of January to express their concerns about defending the ACA and also um, Support, uh, supporting access to care for vulnerable populations. Upcoming, we will be heading back to Washington, D.C. on February 28th and March 1st uh, for another advocacy um, event. Uh, and we have upcoming meetings scheduled in Sacramento uh, with CAPH and also the California Hospital Associations in March. Other organizations, some of the activities they have done had varied. Um, San Francisco General uh, took a similar tack as we did, um, developed a, a flyer that they distributed widely. Uh, Children's Hospital uh, developed what they call a statement of principles that re reinforced their commitment to uh, serving diverse populations. Uh, we have a copy of the City of Oakland letter reaffirming their sanctuary uh, status as well as the city of Berkeley. And we have a similar uh, resolution that was adopted by the Alameda Unified um, School District. And so we, we wanted to maybe uh, provide some potential actions that the board may want to consider um, taking. Um, this isn't meant to be exhaustive, but possibly um, provide some examples. Um, we thought maybe an open letter to the general community uh, might be one approach, in addition to one that would go internally to our employees and providers. Um, we could look at taking a, a, an official resolution, um, reconfirming our commitment to our mission, and potentially commenting on some of the actions that have taken place. Um, and if there is a, a, a new standard or if we wanted to um, actually adopt a sanctuary status, that would be up to consideration for the board as well. So. Okay, I'm gonna make a couple comments, but these are Michelle Lawrence comments and not reflective of the whole board. Um, 
I have to say that my sitting here, my frustration is a little high because I think that certainly this board, and I could be wrong, has communicated at least two or three weeks ago the urgency of our getting something out, a general letter, support, etc. Um, this flyer, I think, goes back to the mission, but it could have, it, that sentence in there, we welcome you to seek care without fear in any of our hospitals. We, uh, we need to address this, and I think you're hearing from the doctors, you're hearing from community members, their concern. And we should have had our own, our own letter. We talked about we weren't interested in doing a safe haven, but certainly we need to be making certain that this community hears that we are, in fact, really committed to making certain that um, we serve our undocumented and immigrant community without the fear of, for them. So I, I'm frustrated. I, and I, I can see the amount of thought that's gone into it, and that's wonderful. But I think we met here on November 11th, if I remember right, two days after the election, and we were very, very specific that visually we have to just blanket our facilities with messages of welcome, no fear, safe spaces, welcoming spaces. And part of my frustration was I think I got a whole bunch of my own posters um, to give to general counsel where those where you you not you know we've been thinking about the messaging are we in any kind of liability if we say something or the other because we haven't had the board but you know even things that we used during the women's march you know those shepherd ferry posters with the the you know different um, women representing different um, ethnic groups just you know like having visual things, we the people, you know, defend dignity, like we support everybody. Just those things are innocuous for us in the sense that they're easy to replicate and do, but they make a huge difference to the community. When they see that in parking lots, they see it on the doors of the ambulatory clinics and everywhere, so hopefully. So my, my, my apologies, I, I skipped over the distribution strategy around this. So we, we are, we are distributing these flyers to every department. These? Yes. Okay. And um, we will actually have posters and the key entry areas and all the facilities. Um, that has been delayed in part because there's a special sort of backing you have to fire retired material you have to use to um, to post a poster in a healthcare setting. Um, the expectation is those will be actually posted tomorrow. So in Highland, I think John Chapman and I went around, and I think we identified maybe a dozen or so locations where they were posted. So my apologies for not being clear about actually how we were going to display that information. So we we, uh, we worked on this in multiple formats or multiple stages. Uh, uh, we we actually considered a lot of different sort of generic uh, posters that were out there uh, that sort of conveyed this exact same thing, but, the, but, but didn't have our brand on it, didn't have a sort of a, a purposeful intentional statement by the organization. And um, within a reasonably short period of time since our last meeting, uh, Terry and the team uh, led us in the effort to create what, what is here. Um, uh, and our effort to do what he just said in terms of 
getting it mass produced and putting it up. We did hear you on that. Uh, we knew that that was going to take a while. We actually thought we could do it by the beginning of this week, but as he's stating, it took a little bit longer, and there's intentions <coughs> to move that forward quickly. But in the meantime, our efforts were to get this out in a format that people could, one, uh, reproduce themselves so that as people wanted to uh, uh, give this out, managers and uh, uh, directors and, and staff and clinics, if they wanted to uh, print this out and, and, and share it with people, they could do that. We were putting these, uh, I think the plan was to put them in uh, waiting rooms so people could pull them off and take them with them if they wanted to. So there was some way of, of not just relying on sort of, you know, uh, as you guys said, the last time the media and other uh, channels to get this out, but also to use sort of an informal word of mouth, but a channel where people could actually take the message and not just see it if they show up. So there was a message too of how, how people would get it out. And so, so this, what you see now, was our effort to move quickly in doing something and then uh, uh, to build up on that, not just with uh, the posters and things that he's talking about now, but the, um, the message that came from the general counsel was a quick way to speak to our employee community, which would then be followed by these town hall, the town halls haven't occurred yet because it takes time to schedule them, to uh, get uh, community awareness out, but that is, those dates are set. Those, those, things, those things haven't happened yet. So the, the effort here was to say we heard you. Uh, we are coming up with a number of ways to do it on top of things we've already done, which uh, Terry mentioned, and things that we will continue to do. Uh, but beyond that, and, and, and certainly, if that is not enough and you think we should be doing more, then certainly have to hear that and you tell me exactly, because if we didn't hear it, I apologize, tell me exactly what you want done as a collective and we will do it on your behalf, on the organization's behalf. But we also thought that the discussion was we would do these things and that there were perhaps other things that you would want to do. And, that, and, and so the point of this was not to uh, be prescriptive about that because if I recall the, our last correction, our, uh, our discussion, there were, I asked the question, you know, if we say there was discussion about whether we would be a sanctuary facility or if we would say we're safe and things like that, and then the question was what does that mean? So we were trying to, to uh, give us and you the opportunity to really think about and unpack what we were trying to suggest there without being uh, uh, too quick and hasty to say what, what we are saying but also not be able to uh, back that up, if, if you will, in terms of what might happen if, uh, uh, to us or if, if we were served with information requests and things like that. So that was really, in my estimation, a governance call. And so what we tried to do was all the things that you suggested up to now, but then also to bring back to you a range of things that you as a board may want to do on behalf of the organization and let you decide what you want to do. And so I think that we, various people have expressed their frustration that we didn't do some of this sooner, but here we are today. This is really good. I would hope that we'll keep doing more of them so that they don't start becoming so familiar, you don't see them anymore. But what you're saying is, okay, so we could do some of these things. What about that? What did you find out from a legal standpoint? Are you, do we feel like we can take some of these actions and and damn the legal ramifications, or, or, or you know, or they'll be, or you understand what they are, and you feel that we move ahead. Well, yeah. So part of it is is a, a, a question of what you mean by it. You know. So for example, when you say that this is a safe haven or a safe place, what is it? You know, the intent. What are you trying to articulate the faults? I think that the concerns that arise, you know, sort of fall into two categories. One is 
uh, the, what has already been sort of um, uh, engaged as the, the clear risk that uh, areas which have articulated an intent not to follow uh, either the law or federal regulation, that they place themselves at risk with regard to funding that they receive from the federal government. You know, that issue has been joined, I think, directly with the sanctuary cities. Uh, they're one of the um, uh, executive orders which has not received quite as much uh, attention as some of the others, you know, specifically and requires, you know, tracking of instances where, you know, institutions that have designated themselves as sanctuaries or similar were an intent not to, you know, uh, follow um, reporting with respect to services being provided to unoccupied aliens, this sort of thing, that that will be tracked. You know, there's an executive order, you know, which specifically addresses that. So, uh, so depending upon, you know, you know, the, the right end of the spectrum, you know, perhaps, you know, being the designation of a sanctuary, the left end being something, you know, which is, you know, not necessarily taking on, you know, a particular stature. You know, that's the issue with the, that's raised, is does it place at risk, you know, some sort of financial support that's received from the organization, you know, which are they're going against. The other piece, uh, you know, concern is a little applies to all of them, and it is the question of, you know, to what, you know, what, to what extent, you know, can you actually, you know, sort of deliver on a promise that's being made. So, for example, there are, again, there's another executive order, you know, which deals with, you know, restricting or limiting certain privacy rights, you know, of folks depending upon uh, their, their immigration status. Uh, there is a question, uh, you know, generally speaking, we don't collect certain types of information now. We do not, uh, but that's the subject of regulation. And again, there are things that activities that we are engaged in in terms of, you know, you know, being reimbursed for those activities <clears throat> where we are obligated to follow regulations or place at risk, you know, that. So, you know, I can't, you know, foresee how those regulations might change or be modified in the future to create new obligations that we don't currently have. So, in terms of making a promise to somebody that <coughs> not happen, that will not be happening, I think that's the sort of thing. But again, it gets back to specifically what it is that we want to articulate in that fashion. And, and I would just add to that, there's one other executive order that I don't know has actually happened yet, but is, is uh, uh, speculated about as public charge, which uh, relates directly to, not, not to our necessary reimbursement for services providers. I don't want you to think all of this is driven by us being concerned about that, although that's an important consideration, but it is also the, the what, what sort of guarantees you can offer to individuals. And in fact, you know, the things that people are concerned about from the perspective of, uh, if I am, uh, if I were to get services, it's not just about you know being safe or whether or not I'll be welcome in an environment, but what does that mean uh, from the standpoint of this public charge executive order, which says that, I think if I remember this correctly, if you are a, 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 a legal immigrant, you have to wait a certain number of years before you can get services uh, uh, on the public dole, if you will. And if you do that sooner, you are subject to being or, or, or being charged for those services. And so, so if we invite people to do that, and then they are they are subjected to that, have we have we broken or have we broken a promise to? Them? Mm -hmm. I, that's not something I don't think we can control. And and so it gets a lot more nuanced when you when you go into these layers of, of what do you mean and so so we we have and, and, and I apologize if this is what's frustrating you but we have tried to walk the line of actually reflecting that we are an organization that uh, uh, is still has been always will be as far as 
as far as we know, committed to serving everybody irrespective of their, uh, of their background, irrespective of their gender, race, sexual orientation, any, any of those things, and we continue to be that. And so, so uh, we, we are, we're, you know, this is, this is nothing new for us, although the world is new. We're just saying this is who we intend to continue to be, and if there's any sort of misguided notion that, that we are cowering away from that, that's in fact not the case. So, if I could, um, <clears throat> before the executive orders were issued, in November, I asked about a resolution from this board, a very simple resolution that we accept patients articulating that mission, yes. clearly. You know, just a couple of whereases and therefores. And then a few weeks ago, I said it again, could we just have a draft resolution that we could adopt at our next meeting? Um, and we've gotten a nice one from Children's Hospital, um, but I, I was kind of hoping that tonight we would have before us, and again, this conversation happened before the executive orders, just a simple resolution stating from the Board of Trustees that, that articulated what was articulated in the letter from you and from the President, that we are a safe place, that we, that we want to continue our mission of serving all, regardless of immigration status. Um, so I'm frustrated that we can't just make that simple philosophical statement tonight in a resolution that was, was put for us, because none was. Um, I was ready to do it last week. I think everyone agrees. And regardless of the the now lengthier conversation about what it means to be sanctuary in light of the executive orders, I mean, I get that, and I don't want to be cavalier or careless, sure. but I also don't want to be so cautious that we appear meek or less than supportive of our mission sure. at a time when people are hiding. You know, people aren't going to parent-teacher meetings. People aren't reporting crimes against themselves. People are afraid. And they need to know they can come here and get <coughs> services. We don't pro report people. We don't collect data on people's immigration status to serve them now, and nor would we in the future. And as far as I know, I don't think we even have... I don't think we normally collect the data that, uh, that ICE would want anyway. So I don't see why it's that hard to say, we're not gonna, and you're safe here. Like, and maybe I'm wrong, because I'm not an attorney, but I just feel like we're being, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated too. And I'd like a simple resolution that we are going to serve all, regardless of their status, and you don't need to be afraid to come here if you're in need. Like that, I think we should be able to say. Now, then if we want to tease out and work on the executive orders and do the legal analysis to see what it means to declare ourselves a sanctuary organization. I, I get that that may be a longer conversation, but I, I think that, um, yeah, I, I just, I, and I'd like a presentation on, on how you feel we may be somehow jeopardizing ourselves by suggesting we're not gonna turn over data that we don't collect now anyway, as far as I know. Like, I don't, I don't see that. I, I'm, I'm seeing a disconnect. I, I, I don't wanna suggest that we collect data on someone's uh, immigration status, but if, if data about someone's immigration status was collected from another entity and a request was made to us about services received by that individual, uh, that services that were paid for by the federal government or by a public entity, that may be data that's, that, that is of interest to maybe not ICE, but a, another federal, a federal entity is what, uh, what I'm saying. So it's not, I mean, that was the whole thing about sanctuary cities when we talked about this before. It wasn't so much about 
crimes. That's what the whole thing was about, at least as far as I understand. When you're talking about this in the context of education and, and healthcare, you're not talking necessarily about you know someone suspected of crime and you may have information about them, uh, uh, it or about you know said crimes committed. But if you have information about somebody's last known address, what services they procured, and and someone were to seek that information from you. What obligation do you have to, to, to provide that? What obligation, or what right do you have to, to be non-responsive to that? Just so, so let me just say, we've, I've heard you. Uh, uh, I apologize that you all are, are, are frustrated about this. Uh, uh, we we've tried to take a series of, of actions as, as presented here. Um, and I appreciate we, we could, the actions no, that have been taken. I, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I do. I, I, but I hear you. You know, we we, we could have like we could have very well put forward a a. a uh, a draft set of a of language, or whereas, is for a for a uh, a resolution. If you if you if that's what you want to do, uh, it wasn't clear to us in the last meeting that that there was uni unanimity around the notion of a a resolution, and that's why we came back to you. With okay. A, a, so a I make a motion a that at our next meeting we have a draft resolution to adopt, uh, declaring our uh, our mission and our support of. Uh, those who, who need health care regardless of their status. Can I get a second? I second. Um, I, I would just like to say, and I support that, but I think we also need to hear from this, from um, uh, our attorney and um, CEO about the things that Delvecchio just pointed out. You know, what what are our obligations? What would, what, what, what could we not do with regard to anyone who is, um, it, it, when we were asked for information about about any patient, not or or a patient who maybe um, not have citizenship status, so that would be you know, I would support a resolution certainly, and I think that's a good idea. And I I share some frustration, but I would like to hear more details about exactly what the um, our our responsibilities, our our rights as an as a as a contractor with the federal government and the state government. Well, what did Children's Hospital think about this? I mean, so it, clearly their lawyers looked at it. Well, and, but again, it, if you, and the suggestion I might, you know, uh, make at this point, if the, the intent is to have a resolution which is similar um, in uh, content to what was adopted by Children's Hospital and UCSF, uh, I think that's fairly straightforward that can be done because of the sort of limited nature of that. If that's acceptable, you know, what I might suggest is that the board could, you know, um, you know, basically, you know, take action, you know, to direct us to adopt, you know, draft a similar resolution. You could delegate, you know, any one of your members, you know, to have authority to sign that on behalf of the board, and that can be done within the next day or so, uh, if that's the direction you want to go. I think that if it's something more specific or um, or different in terms of you know the actual content, you know where you know there's a desire to you know debate back and forth about what it what specifically it should say or how far it should go, then that process might not work. But if we're talking about something which is just like this, then I think that that can be done with a motion, you know, directing us to do that and then delegating authority for someone to sign on behalf. Of but, but couldn't we do this in a stepwise fashion, too? We can adopt this resolution and continue to evaluate what our next step might be. I mean, I think just in a very brief read of the resolution that was done by UCSF, I, th I think they struck a good balance here. 
without having to address all the other concerns about designating ourselves as safe havens or sanctuaries. But I think this sends a message. And this is helpful, I think, in sending a message to the community what our stance is. And I think subsequent to this, at some point later on, if we look at all of the various unfortunate consequences of these designations, I think we can continue to evaluate that. And this is a, an evolving process, but I think we need to take a stand. And I, I, I agree, I'm frustrated too, that we don't have something out there yet. So, I'd like to add to that, but I, I want to be careful that we have a motion on the table. <coughs> still discussing, is it related to this? It, it is, and that is, um, I, I really do appreciate how difficult it is right now to predict uh, what uh, the Trump administration is going to do next, and I think that our council is trying to protect us from anything that in the future might be uh, coming our way, and we don't know what that looks like. So I really I do want to acknowledge that we have crossed uncharted territory here, and it's very difficult to know what's coming next. Having said that, um, I, I would like to just ask us to ponder um, that when people come to any of our facilities, it would be helpful for everyone that walks in the door really feel a sense of welcome and community. Um, I don't know that we have the staffing to do this, or it might be through volunteers, but um, I, I lived in Oakland during uh, the Loma Prieta earthquake, and I want to tell you that when you would walk into a public facility for some kind of assistance, there were people handing out water, um, small little bags of food, I mean, uh, candles. People were really coming together because that was a horrific crisis. Um, and that was a time when I thought people were uh, not thinking about your status. They were thinking about just surviving what had just occurred and the horror of it. I would like us to recognize that for a person who's here, who's got a blended family, where one of your parents is not here with documentation, and your small children are here legally as U.S. citizens, that this feels as horrific as that uncertainty of not knowing when another thing is going to fall apart in your home, or how you're going to get to school, or how you're going to survive. There are really frightened young children out there. Families feel fractured. So paper is good. Writing it down, very good. I really like that. And it's not enough. Um, something has to happen when someone walks in our facilities during such a contentious time, and, and they need to feel truly welcome. So um, I think we need to think out of the box about this and be very creative. Maybe it's leveraging our high school students who are participating in our um, health education career forum. Maybe it's something else, but I, I don't know that this is all that we should do, and I want to be thoughtful about what to do and acknowledge that Mike has a very difficult order in trying to figure out where we're going on all of this. It's just, 
you know, let's let's be really mindful that it, it isn't just a policy statement. It's how we behave. It's how we <coughs> act. When we go out the door. Well, well, I would. Uh, I'm sorry. No, you just said amen to that. Okay, here, here. So if I if I could too. So I I I. I you know, let me just acknowledge that, yes, uh, we talked about a resolution a long time ago. Uh, I apologize. We should have had something at least before you uh, uh, to consider as a draft uh, today. So, so I, I take ownership for that. Um, and we can do that. Uh, at the same time, what I have heard you say both today and in other settings around this is, is in fact, that, that, that not just this resolution but other activity that we've described that we've done doesn't feel like it's, it's enough. And I think that's Part of the frustration that, that I'm sensing you have today, um, I'm I'm just wondering if you know it's feel, it feels to me that it's about more than the resolution because I tend to agree with Trustee Hernandez that you do this and it's it it adds yet another piece of paper to all the things that you're saying that we're doing that perhaps are inadequate. I think you know my my combination of, of what the organization can do, which could include some of the things that Trustee Hernandez has suggested or, or things like that, but also, if I may, things that you as trustees could do. I mean, there, there are forums in which your position as trustees here can be leveraged to actually articulate this in a much more impactful way than uh, a, even a vote that you would take today to say, this is what we've done. I mean, we've done an, uh, enough things at your behest already that you can take forward a very forceful message in health committee, board of supervisors, other community gatherings of which you participate, to say that this organization of which you serve uh, are, is inclusive, you know, neighborhood meetings, all those sorts of things, that I think would feel a little bit more actionable and responsive to some of the things you're saying that, you know, our patients and community, our providers are, are sensing that to me would be uh, above and beyond uh, what we're talking about tonight. So uh, I, I throw that out just your consideration. This is this is certainly we want to be responsive to your directive uh, of what we should do. But I, I think at the same time, as a board, you know, uh, uh, and pillars of the community, that that what we're doing internally uh, is probably in, in light of everything that's happening here, which is much greater than anything we could do internally, is is probably going to be a combination. You can do both, you know, thinking about our Governance Institute experience. Your, your roles in, in advocating this message that we're talking about uh, are not just external to the community, but are within the organization. And to that end, some of the things that we just talked about, like our, we're participating in the, uh, the Internal Medicine Grand Rounds to talk about this, that's a form for which you might want to participate yourselves and say, as trustees, we want to echo the sentiment that this is something that we feel very serious about, that we've instructed the organization to work on, that we're taking to the community and things like that. So, so I, I don't want to shirk the responsibility. I'm owning the fact that, yes, we could have done this sooner. I, but I feel that you know, perhaps if we had done this and today you take this action, I'm not so sure you feel that, you, that, that your action on top of what we've already done is still enough. You know, I, I appreciate you saying that, and certainly board members have responsibilities. But you also have to remember that relative to the way in which a board performs is individuals cannot go out on their own and advocate things. We operate as a board. And so having a uniform position has to start at the board level coming from you with a resolution. And, and that is, gives us the power then to go out to say, here's what our board agreed. Sending one of us to a committee meeting to speak on behalf of the board without the authority of the board then breaks up the rules of how a board operates and puts individuals in, in the spot. 
So despite my passion about this, I can only say exactly what we, we serve all. I don't think you need to worry about it. I can do that. But I can't come out strong enough because I am only one member of a board. And the board has not given a, a resolution or authority to be able to say this is what we intend to do. So I don't know that we can do that until, until we have the uniform position. So I think that's part of the frustration. And I do belong to other organizations here and, you know, and try to not represent the board or represent the hospital, but say, you know, I think you're going to be okay here. Please come. The worry isn't necessarily how they're treated in, in when they come here, because I think people are treated really well when they come here. It's the people who are sitting out there whose children are ill or who themselves are ill and are afraid to seek help because they're worried that we will inform on them. And I think we've got to, and I, run, I really do understand the legal things, sure. but there are, ne there are words that you can say that can appease individuals out in the community that still don't open you up. And, and you have to take this step by step. So down the road, if we step someplace, it doesn't mean all is lost. We can find a way to correct it. But right now, the issue is there are people in the community who are frightened, and we as a system ought to be doing something much more aggressively to diminish those fears. So that's all I'm saying on this thing. That's enough for me. So we have a motion on the floor. Um, are all of you interested in having a resolution that looks like this? Yes. Yes. Okay. So you've got some clear direction. Maybe you could get this out to us in a couple days. Would you be willing to have the executive team uh, approve it on your behalf? Which means yes. Joe, Maria, and myself so that yes. we don't have to have a board meeting. Well, yes. yeah, but the executive committee is still subject to the Brown Act, so you could designate one person or you could designate an ad hoc committee which is not the same as the executive committee to do it without having to go through the meeting procedures. Uh, okay. So I would recommend one of those two. You either designate someone to execute or Gary, approve the you, resolution. I, oh, I was going to... Oh. Yeah, I would be fine doing it. That's fine too. You take it? Oh, I was going to suggest that, that our, our, our secretary be, get the designation. Okay. Um, but... Yeah, no, secretary's fine. That's fine. So the two of you will be the ad hoc committee to approve? Uh, no, I was actually suggesting that she be given the authority to Brilliant. do it on yeah. our oh, behalf. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, just scheduling, et cetera. <laughs> okay, so, so just from a procedural standpoint, I think that it would make sense that, you know, the... Uh, uh, that there be a motion by a member of the board, you know, to... Um, adopt a resolution, you know, expressing the board's support and that the board further designates uh, or delegates authority to Trustee Hernandez to approve the specific wording of that resolution and authorize its um, distribution on behalf okay. of the board. We've already, I, I we've moved already that. said the resolution, but the all we're doing is designating, designating Maria to do Okay, well then, again, it needs so a So I modify a my original motion to also suggest, to also state that we're designating Secretary uh, Member Hernandez to uh, to uh, to execute and, and authorize the distribution of the resolution. Did I, did I say that right? Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. Are there any objections? Thank you. Okay. Did, did, did there any data available to educate a trustee on 
the percentage population that a resolution and the hours we have spent on this issue pertain to? Because I think this is all important, but I have not seen I mean, any mass hysteria in the streets of deportations. Um, the court system at the moment is still holding up and doing what it's supposed to do. Even Congress is doing what it's supposed to do with the ACA and saying, well, it may not be tomorrow, maybe 2018, maybe 2019. And yet, you know, there's certainly a heightened level of excitement amongst you know, my colleagues and other people in the community. I live here, I work here, I've been here for 14 years, and I, I don't have a sense of so the, challenge the importance the of going any further than we've got. And I just see us rolling towards a path that um, you know, I only look good in thin stripes, not wide ones. And uh, my bank's regulated by a federal agency, and I just want to just know, educated, and maybe can be offline. Um, so, Anthony, the challenge is that when you are in that situation that I described earlier, any kind of visibility is a problem. And so the quiet fear that exists out there is not something you're going to see in the streets. Now, you will have seen tonight on the news a case in which a woman in Phoenix who's been to ICE several times in the last eight years and has never been asked to leave the country, all of a sudden now is being asked to leave the country while her two U.S.-born citizen children are terrified that she's going to be deported permanently. And what they've done is they've chained themselves to the car and tried to keep her here. You're not going to see too many of those cases, but they're going to be... The, the motivation for a person to say, gee, you're not too sick. Just don't go there. That's, that's the problem. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I, you know, I have heard from a number of people the fear is out there. Yeah. People are afraid. And this is not just, you know, people that you would, would think, but these are a lot of people, a lot of people who are, who are here mm. on, on different visa categories who are afraid to leave the country, afraid to, to go access services anywhere. So the fear is real, and it will prevent people from seeking services. And I, can, I just want to also point out that in some of the communities I've worked in that have a high percentage of people that, that are, are um, that they or a family member have questionable immigration status, getting them to participate in reporting crime in, you know, for example, when it's against them, was already a challenge. You know, like I know from from my work with the police department how difficult it is to get people in these impacted neighborhoods to report to report that because you don't interact with government, you don't interact with systems. And now it's just it's just that much worse. And I know my work with the Privacy Commission, we heard from some Muslim advocacy groups that they're seeing far fewer people coming into the <coughs> they're just not showing up because they're hiding. Um, people aren't speaking up, uh, and so I think it's, it's, it's what you don't see is, is, is hard to measure. But I think to your point, it would be really helpful in, in, to have come back to us a demographic of the population we serve, and 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 to to, to better understand how well our system touches, you know, this population. So at our wellness clinics, etc. And I, again, we don't collect. I was going to say, yeah, wait, we what, don't what collect, demographic would you? get that would because we have demographic information but it wouldn't 
anecdotal information from the doctor saying that certain ones of my patients aren't showing up as reliably. Right, but since we don't collect that status, back to the the point that Mike was making earlier, I'm 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 curious what uh, risk or peril we're at with the data we do collect. See, see, well, well, in, I don't in part, know. In part, trusted to raise. I mean, you know. Yesterday, there were no you know, questions about you know who was covered by the Privacy Act. Today, there are, and you know the question you know I, the the number of changes that you know we've seen in the last year that sort of deal with sort of unpopular issues in the healthcare arena that seem to be settled and rest have been resurrected, and none of them at this juncture, or I shouldn't say none of them, but you know few of them at this juncture. Or necessarily mandates or requirements of us, uh, but the fact that these questions are being raised, you know, certainly is, I think, cause, you know, for, you know, caution, if not alarm, uh, because, again, you know, it's not so much, you know, a regulation is a regulation, and it might, you know, take 90 days, it may take six months or whatever, but at some point. And part of my, you know, concern is that, you know, or where some of that, you know, concern, you know, might arise is, you know, not, you know, creating, you know, a, um, you know a, a false hope or a false promise, you know, on something, you know, which could be very important. And um, so that's part of just the uncertainty that I would just... You, you know, our health act patients are primarily undocumented. So you would have that as a sort of a, a marker to see if people were not showing up. Um, the other question is whether you've had any sort of rumblings from the from many of our employees of concerns about their own families or whether they are interested in making statements within their own working groups and stuff about this kind of thing. We have not. We, we did some assessment of um, uh, the number of employees that we have that fit into uh, different uh, categories of people with, you know, permit for visas and things like that. Um, um, but uh, to my knowledge, we haven't had any any uh, issues surface uh, from anybody stating either for themselves or for their loved ones uh, at any of the activities thus far. In fact, we were actually just uh, exchanging about this today. Uh, if we have, have had any actual uh, Sort of real concerns come beyond that that are that are particular uh, to, to them beyond the generic. You know, we're all concerned about where, where things get done. I, I mean, Jeanette, have you heard anything uh, beyond that? Not specific, other than that some some people who are Muslim um, don't want anyone to know because they don't feel like it's not not in this place, but everywhere else. Uh, I appreciate, I think the conversation we've pretty much exhausted. You've got some some work that we, we can do and we can continue to have this conversation. Um, and I think you, the board is interested in a number of uh, data data points. And, and just for the record, I don't know that I've heard any of us indicating that we want to move toward toward violating the law or, or deliberately undermining regulations at this point in time, certainly not moving to Save Haven because I think that in itself has a great deal of, of complication. Sure. But 
but doing a little greater outreach to our community as a whole. So, okay, closing this topic, then let's move on. Could I just yes, ask one more question? Uh, in this piece, and I think it's very good, is there any reason why we couldn't ask or couldn't state that we don't collect immigration data? I mean, that... That would, good. that would make a big difference. Well, actually, we're not currently collecting the data. We're not required to collect the data. We no. don't collect the data at point of service and delivering health care, but we do collect it in terms of defining eligibility for um, coverage. And there, there mm -hmm. we have a we have a clinic that specifically serves refugees, and so while we don't collect data there, that there, there you know. We are collecting the data. So we do collect it. Uh, it's it's not it, no we don't actually collect the data, but uh, but the people are specifically referred to this clinic as a contractor service that we do in the counties for people who come to uh, uh, the uh, uh, the country out, out of <coughs> home asylum. So if you if you queried our data, you would not find that you know that information in any of our data fields, but you will find people going to a refugee clinic and so it's it's inherent in that in that clinic uh, space that that is that's focused on taking care of concerns for people who uh, uh, um, present with a similar set of uh, uh, challenges and so so there, there could be some uh, ability there I just want to be clear you know I don't want to belabor this discussion either I, I think we've heard you so what I but I want to make sure I've heard you so so I have heard the, the request for the resolution of working with Trustee Hernandez to get that done, and we'll do that. I heard, Trustee Thompson, you ask a question about data, but then I don't know if, we, if, if, if we're clear on what it is that you want, because there was some suggestion that the data that you might want is, is, is not inherent. It's sort of anecdotal. Uh, uh, and so, so is that still an, if that's still an active request for you, it will help to be specific about that so we can be responsive to it, because I... It's yep. certainly an open request from one trustee who wanted to be educated if there was some day of data available. But there is. consumed a lot of time. It's a big issue. Um, and it would be nice if this is 40% of our population, then it deserves a lot of time. If it deserves 0.5% of our population, then we've got other things that we probably need to continue on in terms of being sincerely responsible for this hospital. And when you say of our population that this is impacted by, you're, you're saying what percentage of our population is is undocumented? Is that what you're asking, or are you asking? I mean, what what's the what's the denominator of the universe of the question that you're asking? That's what I'm trying to be clear uh, about. Undocumented. Um, I don't know if immigration sensitive. I don't know if that's a statistic. Okay. Um, you know, if people are afraid for Trump because of Trump, uh, the, excuse me, the president. Um, you know, I can be counted in that category too. Um, but if they are, as as, as the Charlene was saying afraid to get services in our health system, do we have data that supports that? I know that's not making it any clearer than you. I think so. We'll try. We'll try. I yet to see in my life here in, in the East Bay um, that this is a huge issue. Yeah. But based on my life here in the East Bay, I might not be as, as yours saying. Hernandez, but I might not be in that same circle. Yeah, so, I think but I want to be responsive to it. And, 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 you know, I think our, the trustee, our president has been very clear. We want people to feel absolutely fearless to come to this health system. And however we need to do that within the confines of present law, I think is what we need to be doing. 
I can tell you that the young doctors are actually anxious, mm -hmm. personally anxious, right. because they often come from families that have had issues that related to it. And the day after he was elected, we had to have a, a, a big lunch meeting to kind of let people express their concerns and worries. So I think it's big. Yeah. Well, I think there's also an underlying angst that's driving a lot of this. I'd like that's to what I mean. I, I think we'll capture some data. That data might not be all-inclusive of the yeah. the universe of angst uh, uh, and people who are in some ways concerned about this. And so we'll we'll try to come up with a number, but or, or a you know a sort of statistic. The, the, uh, I think the other thing but, that might help us too is understanding what kind of data we do collect. And so when we have a face-to-face -face with an individual, we can tell them these are the things that we collect at the hospital and then they can see them. So that, that might also help so that we know, you know that what, what we do collect might be as informative as, as finding out who the other people are. So we'll do, we'll do both of those. That's, that's the extent of the, the things that we've talked about. I, I might also suggest that we invite, if, if possible, um, just a quick uh, story or, or commentary from some of the frontline staff who are experiencing this in a very personal way. Um, because I think that um, the numbers speak to certain elements of this. I think it's also helpful, as we heard in the Governance Institute, to put a face on those numbers, put, put some real texture to it. And I would be interested in hearing from maybe uh, someone at the wellness clinic in Hayward or other locations, um, you know, from their experience, what's happening on the front lines? A staff person. A staff person. Okay. Yeah, a staff person. Perhaps with a provider. A with, a, with a patient story, maybe, or a yeah. provider story. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to move on. We're yeah. almost yeah. 45 yeah. minutes behind, and so I'd like to close this conversation. So I think you have direction. The next report is our monthly financial report, and David is out tonight, so um, I don't know if there's any other discussion relative to that. Uh, <coughs> do you want the report for the ad hoc assessment committee? Were you going to give a, a report on that? Yes, I, I can just give a brief report if the uh, board re calls in uh, November the uh, ad hoc committee of uh, Trustee DeVries, Trustee Hernandez, and Trustee Banerjee was appointed to look into the issue of developing a uh, more uh, customized and tailored assessment tool for the board. Uh, so we've met several times, looked over several tools. Uh, we've arrived at consensus on a basic tool. We're looking at some add-on pieces to uh, develop some additional information that uh, the committee thought was helpful. And so we anticipate coming back to the board uh, at the meeting later this month with a recommendation for the assessment tool, some other evaluation pieces that we discussed in the course of uh, uh, the uh, meetings, and then I guess we might also include with that a recommendation as to the timing as a follow-on to the earlier discussion as well, okay. too. So, so this is an agenda item for next board meeting? Exactly. Okay, thank you. Uh, committee reports. Uh, Anthony, thank you for your write-up. I appreciate it. Your efficiency is, is noted. Uh, any questions to Anthony about the finance report? Okay, then um, I think we are moving into closed session then to have a conference with our labor negotiator and looking at public employee performance and evaluation. And so uh, the board will adjourn into closed session.
closed session to meet with labor negotiator and public employee evaluation. Uh, no action was taken, and the meeting is adjourned.